Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. Western and Southern Financial Group. Put our financial strength behind you. Visit westernsouthern.com. Hey there, welcome to another edition of the Jim Day Podcast, everyone. I am the aforementioned Jim Day. And thanks for hanging out with us on what is an MLB draft edition of the Jim Day Podcast. At least it started out that way. And as we speak here, I'm uh, recording this on uh, Saturday and I was going to talk to Jim Callis, who's the senior writer at MLB Pipeline. Uh, you can check out his work on MLB.com. Uh, he has his pulse on everything. One of the experts in the industry and one of the go-to guys. Um, so it's all set to talk about the draft. And then obviously we know the MLB trade deadline is uh, coming up. As I record this right now, it is the morning after the Luis Castillo trade. So, as it turns out, great timing because Jim Callis is all over the haul the Reds got back from the Mariners. I will stipulate, though, uh, Reds probably not done. Again, as I record this, uh, there are some other players that have not been traded yet. So, if by the time this drops, if those happen, we're going to have to analyze that on a later show. But the big trade going into this was going to be Luis Castillo. He was going to bring the biggest return. He was the biggest name on the market. He was the top pitching prospect as far as starters go on the trade market. And the Reds, I got to say, I was, uh, you know, everyone holding their breath, looking at past trades and, you know, what were they going to get on the surface? Man, this looks good. I mean, listen, Luis Castillo, I love that guy. He's one of my favorites, and I know I say that about a lot of players, but truly, if you've seen the interaction he, he and I have had over the years, I love Luis Castillo. Tremendous human being. Family guy, great father, always in pleasant spirits, respectful, teammates love him, pitches his butt off, very talented. I have nothing but great things to say about Luis Castillo. Uh 
except this. Beat it, nerd. I I hate to see him go. This is the worst part of the job for me, by far the worst, because my job is to develop relationships with players and try to bring you the human interest side of the game as well as the X's and O's of the game. So when you develop these relationships, particularly over several years, and then you have to say goodbye to that guy, I mean, that it... It's terrible. It's not like I'm never going to see him again, but I'm not going to be around him every day. I mean, we, we spend a lot of time together uh, with the team. So, you know, it's 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 the business. It's the business part of it. It's it's expected. It's inevitable, particularly in a small market. Uh, but it doesn't make it any easier. Now, with that being said, uh, at least on paper, this trade they made looks pretty good. Now, what does Jim Callis think about that? He's the expert. I'm just the lowly Reds broadcaster. But he truly follows this. I mean, it's his gig. This is his job, to rate players, to rank players, to rate trades. Um, and we're going to see what he has to say about it, as well as the MLB draft, which just happened, which another, I think, successful draft for the Reds. What say Jim Callis? Let's find out here on a Prospects edition of the Jim Day Podcast. All right, let's bring in the senior writer of MLB Pipeline, Jim Callis. Not many other individuals on the planet that have their finger on the pulse of minor league players or drafted players. Uh, Jim, how you doing? I'm doing good, Jim. How are you doing? I am fantastic. Now, this is uh, very timely because I called upon Jim to analyze the Reds' 2022 first-year player draft, and then all of a sudden, we are uh, as we are recording this, it is the morning after the Luis Castillo trade, so very timely in that regard. And, Jim, let's start right there, if, if, if we may. Um, sure. The Reds were obviously looking for a big haul to get back. Uh, Castillo emerged as the top pitching prospect, at least for starters. And GM Nick Crawl said there were 10 to 15 teams that at least had some form of interest. Your uh, general opinion on the return that the Reds got? I, I really like their return. I mean, obviously, Luis Castillo you know, had a ton of value. I mean, he's an extremely valuable player, but... You know, they got, you know, three of the Mariners, five best prospects, four really good prospects back in the deal. Um, you know, and it's funny. I mean, I'm as much a prospect guy as anybody. I mean, I've been doing this stuff for 30 years. And, but at the same time, like I realize, look, prospects aren't sure things. They're not all going to pan out. And, and so I try to be realistic when trades are made because I think sometimes, like, if you're a Mariners fan this morning, I mean, you're excited about Luis Castillo. But, like, you tend to dream of, like, what if all these guys pin out? And you're like, oh, my God, yeah. we gave up too much. Right. And, like, it usually doesn't work out that way. Um, and in retrospect, you know, it doesn't. But I, I do think the consensus in baseball, I mean, from the, the couple people I've texted with this morning, is that the Reds made out very, very well. And it's interesting. There's a – I don't know, Jim, if you ever look, there's a, there's a Twitter site called Baseball Trade Values yeah. where they have – you know, and, and they thought that the Reds – like it was a huge overpay by the Mariners, which was interesting. So um, I, I think the Reds did very, very well in this trade. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about the individual players in a second, but you know, Noel V. Marte is, is one of the, you know, probably top 20 or 25 prospects uh, in the, you know, in the majors. 
And I think the Edwin Arroyo kid they got in the trade is is people don't realize yet quite how good he is. But he, he's really, really good. And the two pitchers are interesting, too. And, you know, as good as Luis Castillo is, if I've got my contracts right, I think he's a free agent after next season, right? Yeah, yep. that, <clears throat> Make about you know, $7 and, and, and million be, this year and has control through next season. He's 29, going to be 30. So the Reds are wondering, okay, he's probably going to want a five, six-year deal. That's usually the range, maybe in the $130 million range. So do you want to do that or do you want to get uh, four yeah. very good prospects? You know, and to be honest, if you get to that point, I mean, like the Reds are rebuilding. I, I don't necessarily think they're going to contend next year. Oh, you know, and it might take them a couple of years. And you know, if Luis Castillo, look, if he made it to the free agent market, you know, the Yankees or Dodgers or whoever could offer a lot more money than the Reds probably could. And if he wanted to go somewhere to win, you know, you might not be able to keep him. He might not want to sign a long-term deal for what the Reds are willing to pay him. So I, I think trading him now made sense. And I, I think the thing that the Reds did that was smart and you know, and you know, it seems obvious, but you don't always see this happen when you have a guy that prominent you're trying to trade is, is you know, like like Nick Carl said, you know, there were ten or fifteen teams interested. You listen to everybody, and they know the markets out there, and you let them, you know, you, you like I've seen teams box themselves into corners where it's like, oh, we want to get a catcher in the deal, or oh, you know, this is what we want specifically, and it, it seems just from apparent to me from the haul that the Reds pulled in that. They probably listened to a bunch of offers and, and and took the best one, you know. And I think having that kind of interest in 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 Luis, who you know is the best pitcher who is going to be on the trade market, I, I think they played this very very well. That, that that's how you should do it. But teams don't always don't always do it that way. So I, I think they did a really nice job on this one. Let's start with Noel V. Marte. You have already put him as the the new number one prospect for the Reds shortstop. Uh, I've always, uh, you know, I, I, I don't follow it extremely closely, although I do follow the Reds minor league system, but as far as other teams, minor league systems, it's just a glance. So I always look at the, a bunch of video and I've seen, you know, I've been covering major league baseball now for 22 years. So you, you kind of get the eye, you can, you can pick out things. So I watch the video and I always go on my my gut instinct and I got to tell you when I watch this kid at the plate I, my eyes immediately lit up 20 years old um he's got all the tools and what do you think I I look at him and I see a major league swing No I I do too and you know the thing that's nice too is okay so he's only 20 years old he'll be 20 years old all season you know he you know tore up low A last year uh, you know, as a teenager, got the high at the innocent. So he came out this year and he got off to a really slow start. And so like in the back of your mind, you might be thinking, okay, like, you know, has he, you know, they figured him out. Is he not, you know, because we had him ranked. I don't know where we had him ranked on our top 100 at the start of the season, but it was in the top 10 or 15 prospects in all baseball. We had him up really, really high. And so then you wonder like, oh, you know, like what's going on? And he made adjustments. I, I think he just, you know, the, I think the story is he was probably got a little bit too, strong and maybe a little bit tight coming into the year for the first two and a half months, but he's been on fire for the last month and looks like Noel V. Marte, everybody knows and loves. And and I think you're looking at a guy who it's, you know, probably, you know, double plus raw power, solid speed, you know, average to solid hitter. You know, he needs to tighten the strike zone a little bit, but then again, he's 20 and high a, and he's holding his own. He's got a strong arm. I mean, I, I think the question the biggest question you have about Marte 
is, is he a long-term shortstop? And I think he probably is more of a third baseman in the long run. But, um, you know, I, I like what the Reds have done. I mean, between, you know, getting him and Edwin Arroyo in this deal and drafting Cam Collier and Sal Stewart, and they drafted Matt McLean last year. And I think, like, like one of the everybody's favorite prospects in the minors who, for whatever reason, quite hasn't gotten as much love as he deserves because he's tremendous is Ellie de la Cruz. Like the, the Reds are, 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 you know, they're, they're getting, you know, most of those guys, not necessarily South Stewart or, or Collier, like, but are guys who have a chance to play shortstop and you just get, you know, infielders who can hit and you'll figure out, you know, where they're all going to play at some point. But like, it, it's really impressive. Yeah. We've talked about on the air a thousand times about how most players, most of the really good players played shortstop, at least in high school or at some level, uh, the Eric Davises that came up as a shortstop, uh, that these guys are the best athletes on the field and can move around. And to be able to say that he has all these tools and could play shortstop, but could easily move to one of the corner spots, what do you think of the philosophy of the Reds loading up on all these shortstops? Because this has been new over the last five years. It hasn't always been the philosophy of the Reds, but it is certainly one right now. Yeah, no, I mean, it, 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 it's always good to collect athletes. You know, most guys, you know, who get to the big leagues, like, play, you know, wind up playing, say, a less challenging position than they were originally signed at, but you give the guys a chance. And, I mean, I look at these guys, you know, maybe Marte's a third baseman. Cam Collier's probably a third baseman. You know, South Stewart, who they just drafted, might be a first baseman. Maybe Matt McClain's a second baseman. You know, I think Edwin Arroyo, who they got in the deal, is a legit shortstop. I think... <laughs> L.A. De La Cruz could probably play anywhere on the diamond you yeah. want. He's just ridiculous. And, like, again, the thing is, too, like, it's a smart strategy because, one, n- nobody's ever had too much talent. Like, I- I've never heard- I've never heard of a team that's like, oh, my God, we got too many infielders and it ruins the team. No, like, you eventually move guys to other positions and you trade the excess. But I was also going to say, like, these guys are kind of on – different timetables really too you know matt mcclain ellie de la cruz are in double a Marte, i assume will be in high a arroyo's in low a uh you know south stewart will probably go to rookie ball this year cam collier's only 17 years old i mean we'll probably talk about cam collier but cam collier they should he should be going into his senior year of high school yeah. um because he reclassified and then Great. he went to juco and he played Cape cod league but like like so you have these guys that are spread out it's not like you're gonna have you know four guys who you want to get playing time at shortstop all in the same club. And you're like, geez, you know, what are we doing? You know, how, how are we going to do this? They're, they're spread out too. So you're going to have some time to figure it out. They'll develop at different paces too. But I, I think it's an extremely wise decision. I mean, again, I mean, finding athletes who can hit, like you can never have too many of those. Oh, you, you find a place for them uh, if they can hit, particularly in today's, game of baseball and guys that can make contact and uh hit for average you remember that right you remember that uh concept (laughs) so you find places for them uh i you know and they can also be listen when teams come a call and they're looking for short stops so if you can also flip some of these guys in the future as well if if you you have too many of them now you put Marte ahead of ellie de la cruz now you you're the, well, the same me, thing. Got, Every time I'll... Ellie De La Cruz is brought up, people that have followed yeah. him or coached him or seen him, just their eyes light up. And I, I saw him for the first time in minor league camp this year and just immediately stood out as special. Yeah, let me just put it in context, too. So we we have not updated our 
All right, we haven't done our mid-season re-ranking yet because we're still waiting for the signing and trade deadline. So yeah. essentially, if you're on our top 100 prospects list from the preseason, you're locked into the order. So we moved our Mariners prospects over to the Reds prospects after the trade. But because we haven't updated the top 100 really since March, we don't have a – like personally, I, I think when we, we're going to overhaul all of our rankings by mid-August after we get past the signing deadline and trade yeah. deadline. And Ellie De La Cruz at that point, my guess is – We'll probably rank ahead of Noel V. Marte on the top 100 and on our Reds list, but they'll be close. But it's just it's it's like this weird mechanism because we can't just overhaul the list. We haven't gone to that point yet where we're kind of committed to keeping the guys in the order they are in the top 100. If that makes sense. Yeah. But if we were to, if we if let's say the draft had been in June, like and on the old schedule we would have updated things. I think Ellie De La Cruz would probably rank ahead of Noel V. Marte, but it would be close. But yeah, and Ellie De La Cruz. Like you talked to Red, I, I remember talking to Reds about him in spring training when I was in Goodyear, and everybody lights up. And you talk to just pro scouts, and they light up. Um, I mean, he he kind of looks like he should be playing football in the SEC. Yeah, like he's that big and strong and athletic. I mean, he's like looks he's like a giant wide receiver. Yeah, well, yeah, he's like listed six five two hundred, and I bet it's more like six five two twenty. But it's like I think he's hitter, six plus, six. By he now. might be. Like, yeah, and I was going to say, it's like it's plus power, it's plus speed, it's plus arm. He actually plays a pretty good shortstop for a guy who's that tall. Um, he, you know, I mean, he hits. I mean, you know, it's crazy. I mean, he's 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 already he's been in Double A for I think about ten days. He's he's only twenty years old. I mean, if, if you were you know looking at him, okay, the the, the biggest thing on this to do list I think is to tighten strike zone a little bit because mm-hmm. he you know he he does strike out some and he doesn't walk a ton, but. I mean, the guy makes it, you know, when he hits the ball, he hits it hard from both sides. And it's not like, it's not like excessive swing and miss where you're like, oh, I don't know if he's going to hit. I mean, he looks, he might be a guy who, when he gets to the big leagues, he strikes out 150 times and he hits 250, but he also might be a 30, 30 guy playing shortstop. I mean, he's his tool. Like I said before, like, again, I, I can't wait till we revamp our list and he'll probably be one of the top, you know, 15 or so prospects in baseball. But there are not many guys in baseball right now in the minor leagues who have his physicality and his tools. It, it, it's a very, very short list. And people like it, it's amazing how quickly, you know, he was kind of an afterthought guy. He was, I think he signed for 65,000 yeah. in 2018. And you really didn't hear much about him before the pandemic. And then once he came back to the pandemic and started playing last year, I mean, initially everybody was like, who is this guy? He's really good. And, and that has not changed. He's, he's incredibly excited. If you gave me my pick of any Reds prospect, I, I would take Ellie De La Cruz. And I, I think most teams would too. Yeah, I, I'm with you right there. And he was one of those classic baseball stories where the Reds went to scout another player and out of the corner of the eye, like, who's that dude? And yeah, and, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know how big he. I mean, I assume he was pretty tall and maybe not as strong, but yeah, like a little I, I shorter. Don't, and he, was, he was even skinnier than he is now. So, but but I don't know how you wouldn't have looked at like like his projectable frame yeah. and the makings of tools he had. Like I I mean, again, I mean, you're right. I mean, you hear stories. I mean, that happens a lot. Where especially internationally, you're going to scout one guy and you see another. And um, and anyway, like I, I it's it's just crazy to me that that guy wasn't more of a known quantity back then. I mean, yeah. you know, and sometimes, to be honestly, what happens too is the guys who maybe he was a little bit more of a late bloomer is that teams enter into agreements with players so far in advance that they just, a lot of them don't have money available for players, you know, who emerge later. But like in, in any case, 
however they got him, it was good scouting. They've done a great job developing him, and he's he's just really, really fun to watch. He really is, and the the best thing, not the best thing, but an added bonus is when I talk to those that have coached him, they talk about his baseball intellect as much as they do about his talents, that he's really smart yep. on the baseball field, and that, man, that can go a long way as well. So I can... And just, you know, I was going to say, Jim, not only that, but not only the – the, the baseball IQ, but I think also the work ethic and the yeah. passion for the game. Yeah, like he works hard and he loves to play. And it's like when you have that combination of tools and physicality with that kind of desire and work ethic, those players usually wind up being really, really good. So he's, he, he's crazy, crazy good. Yeah. I love the tangent we just got off on when we started. Yeah. We, we talked about like a La Cruz for like 40 minutes. We could, like, <laughs> he's that excited. Yeah, you really could. All right, we'll take a quick time out. More with Jim Callis after this. It's knowing that your door is always open and your path is free to walk. Life can throw a lot at us, but through all the ups and downs, your financial future will be ever gentle on your mind with Western and Southern. From life insurance to investments, our one-on-one guidance is customized for your needs today and in the future. Western and Southern, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Visit westernsouthern.com slash rest assured to get started today. Ever smiling, never gentle on my mind. Jim Day here. I've teamed up with Swift to talk about my favorite seasons, baseball and grilling, America's pastimes, where people come together to talk, to laugh, to revel in the joyous chaos of family and the shared love of these beautiful words. Play ball! And let's eat! This baseball season, ask for Swift Meats at your local grocer. Good food, good moments, one great meal. Come together with Swift. All right, though, we talked about Noel V. Marte. Also, another shortstop, Edwin Arroyo. And I know that uh, another exciting young player. Yeah, and then he, you know, I mean, you know, so he was a draft pick um, last year. He was, uh, you know, considered the best player in Puerto Rico. He came and played high school ball in the U.S., he was a second round pick. And, you know, he's only 18. He won't turn 19 until, I think, late August. He's already in low A. He's having a great year. He actually shows some patience at the plate. I mean, again, like these young guys, they need to learn the strike zone. But, I mean, I mean, he's 18-year-old in low A. He's hitting 316. He's got 13 homers and 21 steals. You know, he – you know, it's funny. I think his big tool – or not his I, – I think he was known more as like, okay, this guy's like – a really athletic shortstop, good defender. That was kind of the profile on him coming out of the draft. And he didn't hit that much in, in the Arizona Complex League last year. Not that that means a lot. He was super young. He's one of the youngest guys in last year's draft. But anyway, you know, he was kind of this like, okay, he, you know, he, he looks the part. He, he looks like you take a short, you know, he's six foot, probably 180. He's quick. He's got a solid arm. He, he has good range to both sides. And you're like, okay, you know, defensive guy, interesting. And like I said, I mean, he's just come out and he's like, he's in for power. He's stealing bases. He's hitting for average. Like he's really, really good too. And yeah, it's funny. I think three of our top uh, Reds prospects now are former Mariners because you know, Brandon Williamson right. is in there too. But like, I, I think Edwin Arroyo is another guy that when we update our top 100 prospects list, like I know he's toward the end of the list because he was a, a mid-season addition as guys graduate to the big leagues. But I, I think his profile is going to be way up there, too. Like, I, I don't have what we have him ranked on the top 100 in front of me. But he might be a guy who honestly belonged 
more in the top 50 than than toward the back part of the top 100. He's his upside is huge, and it's exciting when you see a guy improve that much over the course of of, of really less than a year. You mentioned that previous trade with the Mariners. I've been talking to scouts recently, and, and those within the Reds organization, and usually a player to be named later is just kind of a throw-in. Connor Phillips might be end up being one of the key players of that trade. They are raving about this kid. Yeah, no, he was always a dude. Like, he was a dude coming out of high school. Uh, Connor Phillips was a guy at junior college. I think he got, if I – if I remember correctly, I think that was a pandemic draft. And I think guys in the pandemic draft who weren't, you know, say first round picks kind of got underrated a little bit just because they didn't have full seasons. He, he, he was a second round pick, but mm-hmm. like, you're right. Like, and you know, at the time they made the trade when, when he was a player to be named, if, if I remember correctly, I think the Reds were telling people we're getting another player in this deal too. And he's yeah. pretty good. Like they he, kept he's saying, gonna... it, it, you usually you roll your eyes. Okay. Player to be named. Well, no, like, you're right. Like, they, you, but you're right. You they that. knew that, that like, okay, no, this one's really good. Yeah. No, that's what I was going to say. Like, look, everybody always likes the prospects to get in a trade and you're right. Teams say that a lot. And then you see the guy who's included and you're like, Oh, like that guy's okay. But no, Con- Connor, I mean, he, he's a mid nineties fastball. I mean, he showed that in high school in mid nineties fastball. His curveball has a chance of becoming a plus pitch. You know, I mean, the pure stuff is really, really good. Um, I think he needs, you know, anybody would tell you with him, you know, it's going to be strike throwing with him. You know, learning how to harness stuff. But then again, I mean, he just turned 21 this year. So I think time is on his side. But you're right. I mean, like they, you know, between the guys that got in that trade and the guys that got in this trade, and they already had some good depth too, and they just added a bunch with the draft. I mean, the Reds' farm system is really, really looking up. And I want to talk about Levi Stout here in a minute, but, Andrew Moore is interesting to me, and there are uh, some scouts that are saying, hey, Mike turned out to be the sleeper of this deal. I know he had some problems, and then they moved him back down a level, but we're talking about a triple-digit fastball and a nasty slider from what I hear. What do you know about Andrew Moore? Yeah, no, I mean, again, I mean, I think he's a guy we might look up and say this guy's pretty good. You know, he was a 14th-round pick out of Chipola Junior College, last year um and chipola is arguably the best junior college program in the country mm-hmm. and also the junior college where they got kim collier out of this year as well as kenya huggins i mean it's 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 probably is year in year out the most talented junior pro college program in the country and you know i mean he's probably only a relief only a relief pitcher but he's six five it's like 95 to 100 he kind of throw even though he's tall he throws the ball He's got good induced vertical break. Like he throws the ball in a very flat approach angle. And because it doesn't, it's not as downhill as much as a typical fastball. It has like the illusion that appears that it's rising. So like when he throws 95 to hundred up in the zone, it feels like it's, you know, starting off at the letters and, you know, going over your head, guys just don't hit it. And then it's 85, 88, um, with the slider. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the stuff is ridiculous. I mean, again, I mean, he's still learning to harness it, but he's, he's still a young prospect. And I think he's one of those guys that if he learns to throw more strikes and he's still young, I mean, you're looking at, I mean, it's closer upside. It, it, it's seventh, eighth, ninth inning upside. You know, and again, look, I mean, he's got to throw more strikes. Right. It's still early in his development, but get him <laughs> as the fourth player in the deal. I'll take that guy as the fourth player in the deal. Any day, like, like, I mean, arm like that. I mean, and you know, like I said, that, that's the fourth best player they got in the deal is a guy that throws 95 to 100 with a 
with, with great metrics on the fastball and it's like a mid 80s slider that I'll take that as a fourth guy. I, I mean, I'm sure the Reds were thrilled to get him as fourth. I mean, it's fun. I mean, I think this was like a perfect storm for them because, you know, the Mariners have, I think, the longest playoff drought in, yeah. in MLB. I think it's almost years. 20 years. And Jerry Depoto, look, I mean, look, I mean, he's an aggressive trader. Like, he knows what he wants. He's willing to pay to get it. And the Mariners had depth, and they're close. And, you know, I, I just think Jerry Depoto wasn't going to screw around. Like, like this is his guy he wanted, and, okay, we'll pay. You know, we'll, we'll pay for the guy, and, and they did. Yeah, it's time to re-energize that fan base, and they are certainly – doing that so this i mean this could be one of the ultimate win-win trades uh that we've seen in a while uh levi stout right-handed pitcher what can you tell us about him yeah he, he's another interesting guy like i think he's a guy who could maybe be number four starter a multi-inning reliever he's got you know like a, a mid-90s fastball to touch his 98 um his best secondary pitch in the past was he's got this like splitter he uses as a changeup. like some guys like the slider more than that now He's got a curveball too. That's his fourth pitch. Again, you know, it's strike throwing. You know, he, he's going to need to throw more strike. I mean, I know I sound like a broken record there, Jim, but like, I mean, <laughs> you follow this stuff. You, you could say, I mean, most pitchers in the minor leagues, you you could talk about control and command. I mean, he three. I, I should, I should, I should like rephrase what I just said. Stop throw strikes. He needs better command. Like yeah. the stuff's there. He throws strikes. It's more like okay. Now it's like locating the ball where you want in the strike zone right. rather than just getting over the plate. But, like, no, he's he's interesting. Like I said, I mean, I think obviously Marte and Arroyo are the two headliners here, but they got two pitchers who could be very useful arms for them. Um, you know, and Stout's, you know, again, you know, he throws strikes. It's going to be about command. He's not too far away from the big leagues right now. He's, he's 24. Um, had Tommy John surgery pretty much right after he signed as a third-round pick, but he's not he's not too far away. Well, I love this. I, I, I bring you on to talk about the draft, and we're 23 <laughs> minutes into our conversation and we haven't gotten to the draft. But that's that's good news. And, again, as we record this, this is the morning after the Reds traded Luis Castillo. They're certainly not done, so uh, we will be analyzing the rest on down the road. Uh, but I do want to get to the draft. Uh, sure. Reds picked, what, I believe, 18th overall. Now, when I – you know, right before the draft, I'm always – looking up guys and certainly follow what you guys do at MLB pipeline and some of the, uh, the rankings, et cetera. And I kept looking, you know, watching the draft, like, all right, is there something wrong with cam Collier? Is there something scaring <laughs> teams away from cam Collier? Is it the 17 year old age? Is it, uh, you know, that he might just be a third baseman. I mean, what is this? And I know there's a lot of things that go into the draft as far as money, uh, beforehand, and the Reds paid over the slot value here. So there's a lot of, I don't want to say manipulating, but there's some stuff going on behind the scenes. But to get Cam Collier at 18, your thoughts? Yeah, I, you know, we heard, I mean, there was talk he could go as high as four to Pittsburgh. We had heard some talk that he might be slipping as a draft approach. I certainly didn't think he was going to get to 18. And there was nothing he did. I mean, when you look at the fact, you know, the Reds wound up paying him $5 million dollars. And the slot was 3.66 million. So they, they went over slot. And let me just take a look at this. I want to see how many guys ahead of him got $5 million. So the first six picks in the draft got $5 million. Seven was under slot. Eight and nine got $5 million. And then nobody else got $5 million. So he essentially got the ninth highest bonus in the draft, which is about where we had him ranked. And I think it was just a case that after he after the Pirates went with Termar Johnson at four, and like I know the Cubs liked him. 
but they really liked Kate Horton. I know the twins liked him, but they didn't expect Brooks Lee to be there. And then all of a sudden, I, I think it was just probably, to be honest, the case where the agent did a really good job of talking to teams and like, you know, the Reds, you know, this happens sometimes where like teams like, Hey, if you can get him to us, we'll pay him X. And they held firm on their price tag and teams believed him. And so he won 18th. So, you know, I think if you, if you line up the bonuses, you know, or his bonus, like I think Kevin Prada, the Mets who hasn't signed yet might get a little more than him, but he's going to get a top 10 bonus in the draft, which was appropriate. I think it was just a case where the Reds by having, you know, an extra pick, you know, after the first round as compensation. And then they had a competitive balance pick. They had extra picks. They had a big bonus pool. And, you know, it was kind of like what happened last year with Matt McClain. He didn't get quite as much, but but got, you know, in the four million territory at that range of the draft. Um, I, I think it was just a case of that. And, you know, like I said, I was alluding to before, Cam's exciting. I mean, He's son of Luke Collier. He should be, this should have been his junior year in high school in Georgia. And so he initially reclassified to be eligible for the 2022 draft. And then that wasn't going to be enough of a challenge. So he went to Chipola, which I was telling you before is one of the best junior college programs in the country. Mm -hmm. And he played well there. And then he went and played in the Cape Cod league at age 17. Um, which is crazy. Like you almost never see that happen because it's, it's a college league and most college guys are older than that. And, And I just look at a guy who I think, has got, you know, a chance to hit for a lot of average and a lot of power. And, you know, he's really young I and mean, he's got a high baseball IQ because he grew up around the game and, and that in bloodlines, I do think matter in baseball because, you know, I just think if you're a hitter, you know, just getting at bats and getting quality instruction at a young age, which he did just makes you a good hitter, but it's just, it, it, you know, it's bat to ball skills. It, it's a really quick left-handed swing. You know, there's, there's raw power more to come, you know, probably an average runner when all is said and done it's a good arm you know i think if you're quibbling with him like the biggest question would be like you know when he's fully physically developed is he gonna you know have enough range to stay at third base i think there's a pretty good chance that he does but like you know what if he were to line up at first base jim like you're talking about like that bat's gonna play anywhere you know whether it's third base first base left field i mean i think you're talking about a potential you know 275 25 to 30 home run guy and that bat will play so it was you know, a great value like to get a guy, you know, again, teams aren't drafting off of our list, but we had him ranked as the eighth best player in the draft and to get him at 18, to, to me, that's a steal. Like, and, and you know, to, to get back to the first part of your question, like I said, I, I don't think there was anything wrong with him. I just think it was a case of what it was going to take to sign him. Right. Um, Cause like he easily could have gone back to junior college or, or, or gone to college and been eligible in two years. Um, and he still would have been 19 and super young. So he had a lot of leverage. You were going to have to overpay him. And I think it was just a case of, you know, teams at the top had other guys they slightly preferred. And then, you know, it came down to like, okay, you know, the red were willing to meet his price and the other teams weren't more so than, Hey, when teams got him under the microscope, they saw something they didn't like. It was just, you know, it was a good situation for the Reds where they got, you know, one of the top 10 players in the draft, even though they were picking 18th. Don't you go anywhere. We've got more to come after this break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now, the Reds went 
Uh, and they've done this the uh, last couple of years. They've gone uh, position player with their higher picks and then just loaded up on pitching. Uh, went with Sal Stewart and the compensation pick, uh, that sandwich pick. Uh, listed as a third baseman, could also end up at first base, but another uh, guy with a, a good hit tool. The Reds look like they're just going for guys with the with the hit tool, the, the possibly hitting for a higher average and contact hitters. Yeah, and, and like I was telling you before when we were talking about all the shortstops, like if you get guys who can hit, you'll you'll find a place to, to where they can play. Like I think he's one of the better high school bats in the class. Like I do think the fact that, okay, you know, he might wind up at his – like I think there's a greater chance than, than Collier that he winds up at first base in the mm-hmm. long run. And so like, you know, if you're drafting a high school hitter who projects maybe as a first baseman and he hits right-handed, that's not the most attractive profile in the world. But – on the flip side, I do think South Stewart's one of the best combination high school hitters in this class in terms of hitting for average, hitting for power, uh, controlling the strike zone. Again, like e- even if you like think, okay, he's a first baseman in the long run, like you know more, you know probably greater chance than 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 not that he is a first baseman. Again, I mean, you might be looking at a guy who hits 270 with 25 or 30 home runs, and and that profiles at first base. So I, I thought that was a good. Like, like I know we had him ranked 73rd on our list, and I do think the industry maybe was a little bit low on him because it's high school right-handed hitting first baseman. Mm-hmm. But I, I really, really liked the bat on him. Third pick was Logan Tanner, a catcher. And, I man, I looked at what a quick release this guy has. I, I, it looks like he could throw at the major league level right now. Danny Graves, the former Red, uh, covers a lot of college baseball, was raving about – Logan Tanner as a thrower and a backstop. Now we'll see what happens with the bat, but uh, your impressions of Logan Tanner out of Mississippi State? Yeah, I thought that was a good value pick too. I mean, he came into the year, I thought he was going to be a first-round pick. And, you know, Mississippi State had a rough year. They won the national championship last year. They had some injuries to their pitching staff. The team just wasn't as good this year. I don't know if he, if Logan pressed a little bit, but, you, but you're right on defensively. I mean, he's got one of the best throwing arms in this draft. It's probably 70 arm on the 2080 scouting scale. Um, I think he's going to be a solid receiver and blocker. He needs to be a little more consistent. But, like, you really like him defensively. And, and you know, I look to – like, what I like about him, I think the floor is – he, he's a good, he's a good, he's the floor is he's a good defensive minded backup. And the ceiling is that guy could be an everyday catcher. You know, he, he hit better last year in a deeper lineup where the team was going good than he did this year. He hit 15 home runs as a sophomore. I think he hit seven this year, but there's, there's a chance for 15 to 20 homer power at the pro level. And it's just going to come down to the bat with him. If he hits, then, then you have a, you have an everyday guy there. And if he doesn't hit, you're going to have a guy who I think is a, is a, is at least a solid defender with that really good arm and it can have some power for you in a, in a backup role. So I, I thought that was a good talent value too. They, they, they got him, they kind of bought low on him a little bit because if he came out and had a year that they, that, that people expected him to have, I don't even think he would have been available when they took South Stewart at 32. I think wow. he would have gone before that. And he just had a, he, you know, he like he had a little bit of a down year. You know, the team struggled, and I think he maybe pressed too much, but the tools are there. And like I said, I, I like that pick because I think at worst, you know, you're going to get a guy who, who's going to be a really good defensive backup and, you know, with some occasional power, and you might have a starter there. Fourth pick, they go with uh, Justin Boyd out of Oregon State. Now, I know that uh, he was probably lower on other people's boards, but the Reds were really high on him. What do you think they like about Justin Boyd, outfielder? Yeah, he can really hit. You know, he, he might be a corner guy in the long run out of out of Oregon State, but he can really, really hit. 
Um, you know, I think it's hit over power. Um, you know, he's got a chance to play center. Um, you know, he played more right field Oregon State, and maybe you try to play him in center. But, you know, you're looking at a guy who who hits for average, he draws walks, he can steal a few bases. He, you know, you're getting a, a, a proven college hitter, and a lot of times those guys translate well. Like I said, it's it's more hit over power. So I think ideally, you know, you pre, he'd profile better in center if he can play there. You know, they had a pretty good center fielder at Oregon State, so he played more right field. Um, and, you know, if he could play center, then that, then that could be a steal. Yeah. Now, as I said before, they mixed in, the Reds mixed in a catcher and a shortstop and an outfielder the rest of the way. But mainly, after that, just loaded up on pitching. Now, I don't I don't want to go through every every guy here, um, but just listing some of those names, if there's anyone that like really stands out that you think yeah. is a good pick. Bryce Hubbard, Kenya Huggins Jr., Zachary Maxwell, Trey, what is it, Faltine? Yeah. Uh, Faltini is a shortstop. Yeah, Faltini, I, I'm sorry, I, you know, Faltini is no, a shortstop. Okay. I, reading the wrong I know list. these guys pretty well. So, Jim, I can cycle through these guys really quick. And, and what I like is it's like a really kind of mixed portfolio, which I think is yeah. good. Faltini's from Texas, is, right? Yeah, Faltini is from Texas. Yeah. I was just say, you got Hubbard is kind of like, even though he can touch 97, he's more of a low 90s fastball with like good carry. Like Hubbard's a lefty who knows how to pitch, has, has got feel for four pitches. Kenny Huggins is another Chipola guy who threw really well at the draft combine up to like 98. Uh, you know, like he's a projectable pitcher who's still kind of figuring out, but like it's power fastball, power slider. Zach Maxwell is, is a huge 6'6", 275 guy who is up to 101 miles an hour. He's got a slider up to 90. He's kind of like a wild arm. He doesn't throw a lot of strikes, but I'll throw out like different body type. But you, you got Joe Boyle in the red system who came out of yeah. Notre Dame, who was a, who like more taller and lankier um, and threw hard and threw no strikes in college, and it kind of helped him. And Zach Maxwell's got that kind of upside. Chris McElveen, their eighth runner out of Vanderbilt, is more of like your solid kind of like a pitchability righty. And then I'll give you two more names and I'll stop. Brody Jesse, the 10th rounder, is up to 98. He, he's like a power guy. You know, He's a power reliever. And then Ben Broody, the kid they sent out of Rhode Island, as a projectable, you know, six foot three high school kid from Rhode Island, who's touched ninety seven with sink on his fastball, they'll flash a plus slider. So all those guys are interesting. And then I'll just throw in the two hitter. You, you mentioned uh, Faltini, good, good glove guy, has a little bit of pop. Struck out one hundred four times in college this year. So the, the bats a question, but he, he's a really good defensive shortstop. And then the one hitter we didn't talk about in the top ten is interesting is Kate Hunter, the Virginia Tech catcher. He's kind of an offensive-minded catcher. The offense is ahead of the defense, um, but he's a really interesting catcher who can really, really hit. And also uh, the son of Mariners scouting director, Scott Hunter. So, so like, the next time they make a trade with the Mariners, they could, <laughs> they could hold Kate Hunter hostage and send him back to Seattle for somebody pretty good. But, like, it's I, I, I mean, I think you may have seen this. Like, I did a quick, you know, as soon as the draft was over, who had the best drafts? And I know it's early, but everybody always wants to know who had the best drafts. And I, I thought the Reds had the fourth best draft. I, I ranked them fourth best at this point, and I know it's early, and we're just looking on paper, but you, you could tell probably by my enthusiasm here, you know, they had a very nice mix of hitters and pitchers and high schoolers and college guys and junior college guys. I thought it was a really, really nice portfolio approach. Well, when you're, your first pick is 18th, and I know they had, what, four of the top 75 or something like that, but uh, that is good. That's good. We'll take fourth best. <laughs> yep. Around yeah. Yeah. No. That's, 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 yeah. No. I mean, if you could, like I said before, like if you combine, 
you know, the draft. And look, I know it's early and it's all potential right now, but like you, you still, what well, based on what we know, it's a good crop. You take that plus what they had in their system with guys like Ellie De La Cruz, and, and then you add in the Luis Castillo trade. We have not ranked farms. You know, again, we have to. We'll, we'll redo all our rankings once the dust settles with the trade deadline and the signing deadline and all that stuff. But I would think, off the top of my head, just eyeballing it without having looked at all 30 teams, that the Reds, you know, they may have a top five farm system in baseball now. I mean, it's it's wow. pretty pretty impressive. Wow, and that, and this is before. We don't know if, as we record this, if they're going to trade Tyler Malley. It would look like they would, and some others as well. So uh, could be more added to the mix. That, that is uh, that is a beautiful thing. Now, one last general question for you. Um, the Reds, uh, you know, they're a small market team. You should build within. Uh, it's kind of been back and forth as far as philosophies with them, but they seem to be all in now on – getting young players, getting a large number of young players. You know the old adage, if you get three players and one of them turns out, then you're doing well. Um, This direction that they're going in, the players they have in the system right now, uh, can you see brighter days in the future for the Cincinnati Reds? I can. I mean, look, I mean, that's what the Reds are are trying to sell their stance, but I, I do think it's legit. And look, it's not, you know, as a fan, you'd rather win now then like here, okay, we're going to be pretty good in a couple of years. But, yeah. but like you said, Jim, I mean, uh, you know, you win with star talent and they've got guys coming like Noel V. Marte and Ellie De La Cruz and Cam Collier and all these guys we've talked about, but they also have depth. Cause like, you know, we were talking about at the beginning, not all these guys are going to pan out. Not everyone. If, if every prospect became as good as you, as you hope they might be, it just doesn't work that way. But yeah. as you mentioned, the, the, the big important thing here is they have depth. They have so many options. Um, like that if some guys don't pan out they still should be covered so yeah i mean it's probably going to be a couple years um but you know again you know does, does it stink okay Luis Castillo's not a red anymore you don't get to watch him every fifth day sure like like you know i mean he's one of the best pitchers in baseball but at the same time like we said Luis Castillo i i really don't think the reds were going to pay him enough to keep him around he may want to go somewhere he could win more quickly and you know they got a great haul for him um, you know, I think did better than most people would have anticipated. And to be honest, I'm sure the Nationals and Juan Soto and everybody else who's got a big trade guy right now is thinking, thank you very much, Nick Crawl. You just put the bar very high, and yeah. teams are going to have to pay for the top guys on the trade market because you just extracted a very nice price. But, yeah, I, I, I do think brighter days are ahead. Well, that's beautiful to hear. And uh, Luis Castillo, they originally got for Dan Straley, so – Flipping good Castillo. There too. <laughs> they, what they got out of Luis Castillo, years of brilliant pitching, and now getting this haul originally. And I love Dan Straley, but that's how that's where it started trading Dan Straley yep. for Luis Castillo. So crazy game that baseball, eh? Yeah, exactly. But the game we love. Hey, Jim Callis, a senior writer, MLB MLB Pipeline. You can check out his work on MLB.com, MLB Pipeline. Uh, appreciate the insight. I love how you just went, went right down the list. You know these guys so well, like the back of your hand. You could just go down the complete draft list and give me a bullet point on each guy. I love that, my friend. <laughs> well, I don't know I could do that for every team, Jim. I think it's because the Reds, like I said, had one of the better drafts, so I was pretty familiar with most of their guys. But, no, I mean, it's again, look, it, it, it's a sad day a little bit if you're a Reds fan because at least Castillo's gone. But it should also be a happy day because they got a lot for him. They had a great draft. 
I do think things are looking up, and, and we'll see what it turns into in a couple of years. Jim Callis, appreciate your time. Thank you very much for your insight. You're welcome. Great talking to you.